must let that other, larger, stronger life come flowing in. Every day and in every way, you have a choice to get in on God's plan or live according to your own plan. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we found perhaps the most comforting promise in the entire New Testament. And it goes like this. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And then last week, we learned what God's purpose behind His promise was. And that's in verse 29, where the Bible says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined, and here it comes, to be conformed to the image of His Son. God wants you to look like Jesus. But today, God is going to reveal the process behind the promise. We need to know the process behind the promise, and it's in verse 30 and goes like this. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. So how is it exactly that God works out this process, works out all things for our good? Well, there are three words that we find there in verse 30 that tell us kind of how he does it. And the first one is this. God calls us. Verse 30 says, those he predestined, those he predetermined, he called. Now, what I want you to do is take a pen, and I want you to circle that word in your Bible. He called, because that's important. That's the first step in the process. You know what it means to be called, don't you? I mean, if you're out in public and somebody says, hey, how? Somebody's calling you, brother. Amen? You know what it's like if your phone rings in the middle of the worship service. Amen? Somebody's calling you. Somebody wants your attention. Amen? And it's therefore your responsibility to respond. You're either going to answer it or you're going to ignore it. Now, if it's in the worship service, I pray you're going to ignore it. Amen? But somebody wants your attention. And they're calling you. And it's up to you to listen to that call and respond accordingly. I'm so glad that God still calls people. When I was 14 years old, God called me to be a Christian. When I was 38 years old, just a few short years ago, God called me to be a preacher. In 2006, God called me to pastor this church. I'm so glad that God still calls people to do things. Amen. Listen up. He's calling you today. He's calling you today to do something. So are you listening? If you're listening, say amen. amen. Are you listening? And more importantly, are you going to be responding? Pe people are still being called by God. 
Now, I think that the Christian life can be kind of summed up in three distinct calls. Number one, Jesus says, come to me. That's the first call. Come to me. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That call is a call to salvation. It's a call to salvation. Now, there may be some of you here today who don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You may not be a Christian. And friend, if you died today, the scriptures say that you wouldn't go to heaven. Today, God is calling you. He's calling you saying, come to me and I'll give rest for your soul. Maybe you need to listen to that call. And maybe you need to respond to God's call to salvation. But there's a second call. Number two, Jesus says, follow me. In Mark 1.17, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, there are some in this room who have answered that call to salvation. But they have not answered the call to serve him. If you're not really following his example of serving other people in the name of the Lord, maybe you're still living life kind of self-centered. And I think you would agree that that is not the way that somebody would imitate Jesus. Because Jesus was all about somebody else. He was all about others. So have you answered this call? Not only the call to salvation, come to me, that call to salvation, but also this call, follow me, the call to service. Many have been saved for years, but today God is calling you to start serving him in some capacity. There's a third call, I believe, in the Christian life, and that is God's call to abide in me. John 15, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. You see, there's a lot of people who are serving God, but they're doing it in their own power. They're doing it in their own strength, and they wonder why they're failing. They wonder why they're not successful. Friends, if you serve God in this way, Jesus says it's only a matter of time before you wither on the vine. You've got to abide in me, he says. It's vitally important that we as Christians that are serving God in some capacity, it's vitally important that we learn to surrender to the power of the Spirit of God within us and abide daily in the vine. Come to me, that call to salvation. Follow me, that call to service. And then ultimately abide in me, the call to surrender. So which call do you need to listen to today? And more importantly, which call do you need to respond to today? The call to be saved? The call to serve? Or the call to surrender? So God calls you. That's the first step in the process. But the second step is that God claims us. He claims us. Look at verse 30 again in Romans chapter 8. And I want you to circle the word justified. 
That word justified is the second step in the process. Now, that, that word justified is just a good old-fashioned Bible word. And any time you see that word justified in the Bible, what you need to do is substitute this phrase. Substitute just as if I'd never sinned. I want you to say that with me. Ready? Just as if I'd never sinned. One more time. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. It means to be declared right. It means to be declared innocent. It means to be declared guiltless. So, that being the case, I want to ask you a question. How many of you are righteous? How many of you are righteous. Now I'm not just talking about righteous in your own eyes, but I'm talking about being righteous as Jesus is. If you are as righteous as Jesus is, I want you to stand up. Bunch of unrighteous people, man, golly. But listen to what verse 30 says. Verse 30 teaches us that if you're called in Christ Jesus, you have been justified past tense. It's already happened if you've accepted the call of Christ on your life. You have been declared by God to be in a right standing with him. So if you've been called by the Lord Jesus Christ and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are justified past tense. That makes you righteous. You're in a right standing with God. Now then I ask you again, if you're in a right standing with God today, stand up. All right. Now we're talking. Have a seat. Here's what Billy Graham says about being justified. He says justification is first and foremost the act of God. It's an act of God where he declares an ungodly person to be perfect even while he's still ungodly. It's an act of God where he declares someone who's ungodly to be perfect even while he or she is ungodly. When you're in this place, the Lord looks upon you as if you've never committed a sin. Because all of your faith is in the sinless one, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You who have stood have taken a stand that you have become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, your Lord. And for us, I don't know about you, but man, that's some really good news. I don't want to be taking none of my filth and none of my sin and none of my sarcasm to heaven with me. Amen. I got to be perfect when I get there. I got to be righteous when I get there. Now, I know I can't do it in the flesh, but I know I can do it by faith in Jesus Christ because he's the perfect one. He's the sinless one. He didn't have no sarcasm. Amen. <laughs> so I'm glad. That God looked on Willie and he chose me before the foundation of the world. Amen? 
Because like Charles Spurgeon said, I'm so glad he chose me before he saw me because had he waited to see me, he probably wouldn't have chose me. Amen? But he chose me before the foundation of the world, according to the Bible. So we're all sinners, but when we're justified, God says, you are guiltless. Just as if you'd never sinned. So, in this process, God calls us and God claims us. But number three, God completes us. Can I tell you this this morning? That God finishes what he starts. He didn't start a good work in you only to give up on you. He finishes what he starts. Now, in verse 30, I want you to circle the word glorified. Circle the word glorified. Now, if you'll take one look at your body in the mirror, you'll quickly see that your body has not been glorified. Amen? Ain't none of us arrived in that area yet. Right? But Scripture teaches us that when we die, if we have faith in Christ and we go to heaven, our bodies will be changed. Our bodies will be changed to be like Jesus. And notice that word glorified is also in the past tense. That's kind of funny. Shouldn't it read, he called us, he justified us, and he will glorify us? I don't know. That's what it should say, but it's not what it says. Why does it say it like he's already done it? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you why. Amen. Shouldn't it read that way? But there's a great truth here. Here it goes. Ready? God is not bound by time. God is not bound by space. So when he says something's done, it's as if it's already been done. He's not bound by time nor space. In the mind of God, when a person comes to faith in Christ, that is a done deal. It's a finished act. It's already happened in the eyes of God. You're glorified. It's already happened. Now, you may remember what I said last week, that right now in our current lives, God is working on us in our character. Some of us more than others, amen? He's working on our character. There's some sharp edges and some rough spots that he's got to work out in our lives. He's working on our character to make our character like Jesus. But ultimately, one day, Scripture teaches us that we're going to be glorified and God's going to change our bodies to be like Jesus. In fact, Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says it this way. Our citizenship is in heaven like it's already there. Amen. We eagerly await the Savior of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get this. Who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed or literally speaking match up to his glorious body. Friend, listen, in the eyes of God, it's a done deal. In the eyes of God, it's already happened. Have you been glorified? Now, from last Sunday to today, I've been sharing some good information for you. Has anybody else wondered why this is here? You didn't even notice it, did you? This represents the five links in God's chain of salvation. And friend, this chain 
is absolutely and inequivocally unbreakable. This chain cannot be broken. And it's very important for you to understand God's chain of salvation. This first link of salvation appears in verse 29 where God says, He foreknew us. That is, He chose us. Then the second link in verse 29 says, He predestined us. That is, He predetermined that we were going to come to Him. That means He's got a lot of work to change us. And third link, in verse 30, the Bible says that he calls us. He calls us to salvation. He calls us, friend, to service. He calls us to absolute surrender. And then the fourth link there in verse 30 is God justified us. That is, as if we had never sinned. And finally, the fifth link in God's chain of salvation in verse 30 is he glorified us. We shall be changed one day. But in the eyes of God, it is a done deal. Because he's not bound by time nor space. Listen, friends. Here's what I believe. I believe that according to the authority of God's word, that once you become a child of God, the process begins. And there's nothing you can do. Nothing Satan can do. And nothing that God will do to ever change the fact that you are a child of God. Nothing. How do you know that, Bill? Well, I just have to look on Jesus to realize that. The Bible calls Jesus the great shepherd. The Bible calls Jesus the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. And when he starts out with a hundred sheep, how many do you think he's going to bring into the sheepfold? Ninety-five? 96? Huh. He's going to bring in 100 sheep. Amen. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus said, Do you know what the good shepherd does? The good shepherd would leave the other, leave those 99 to chase after that one that wandered away. He would chase after that one until he got him and he would bring that one back into the fold. Now, I think there's probably many here today that are like that one sheep. There's a time in my life where for 17 years I wandered in the world like that one sheep. But the same God that chases after you chased after me. And he chased after me until he scooped me up and brought me back into the fold. Maybe, like me, there was a time in your life when, man, you were really close to God. Maybe, like me, there was a time in your life when your heart just burned for the things of God. Your heart burned to serve God. Your heart burned to follow God in everything you've done. But for some reason, you can't explain it, you just kind of grown cold. Maybe like me, at one time in your life, you just kind of become indifferent. Maybe like me, you just kind of became a little bit rebellious and you wandered off. Today, say today. Today, 
The good shepherd says, hey, come on, y'all. Come on, man. Come on, girl. I want you to be part of my plan. Come on. I want you to get back in my plan. Come on. I got a plan to change you to make you like Jesus. In character and ultimately in your body. Don't fight me. Don't grieve my spirit. Don't quench my spirit. I've got something planned in you that is extraordinary. If you'll just let me do it. If you'll just let me do it. Friend, our whole part in this process is just to allow God, allow God to do what he so desperately wants to do in us to make us like Jesus in character and ultimately in our body. And I'll just tell you this, God loves you. He loves you like crazy. And he's got a plan for you, and it's a good plan. Won't you get in on it? Won't you get in on his plan? Won't you come back and see what kind of extraordinary things God's got in store for you? I want to tell you that, that we love you here at Bethel, too. We love you. We love your family. We love your kids with the same love with which Jesus loves you. And we here at Bethel, we want to be part of your spiritual growth. We want to be part of your spiritual maturity. We want to help you to align your life with the plan of God. Because we've learned firsthand that, man, there ain't no better place to be than dead center of God's plan. So I guess in closing, you've heard God's call today. You've heard God's call to salvation if you don't know him, come to me, he says. You've heard God's call to service. Maybe you came to him a long time ago. But if you're honest with yourself, you've been living kind of self-centered. There's also that call to surrender. You say, Bill, I tried that. I tried getting saved one day. I haven't tried serving in the church one day. But I got burnt. Maybe you need to respond to the call to surrender. Maybe you need to refocus and realize it was all for God. It is all for God. And when you surrender to him, it's just like him using you. You're just a tool. You're just a conduit. You're just a channel through which he blesses other people. So whatever his call to you today is, and he's calling every one of us, okay? Because even your pastor needs to surrender deeply, deeper. So let us all not only hear the call, but let us respond to the call as well. May I pray for you? Father God, I thank you that you even want to choose us. Father, I thank you that you even want to change us. That you would even bother calling me. Father, you would claim 